Hey everyone, welcome to a very special podcast. It's the first episode of Game in Hand, the aptly titled podcast focusing on gaming news, reviews, and hot topics that come from the perspective of someone in their 30s, I guess. This is episode one, and if you've read the title, you know that we're going to be talking about the Steam Deck today and my impressions with it after three weeks. Let's start off with a brief introduction. My name is Dan, and on YouTube I also go by True Slider, and I've been gaming all of my life. Earliest memories I have are gaming on a Nintendo that we got for Christmas at like 5 years old. We had your typical Mario and Duck Hunt, Super Mario Bros 3, and then of course somehow my parents just may have happened to cherry pick some of the hardest games ever. The original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kid Icarus, Double Dragon 3, both Contras, Ninja Gaiden 2 and 3, and Battletoads. So I'm fully familiar with some difficult gaming. Since then, I've spent my whole life playing nearly every mainstream console and handheld. Gaming for me is really easy because I really like any genre that is actually entertaining. In university, I spent most of my time with what most broke students do, emulation and console modding. Nothing makes insomnia worse than, you know, playing every Super Nintendo, Nintendo, Genesis, PlayStation game you could think of on a PSP and Nintendo DS. After graduating and paying off my debt, my focus was always on my PC and PS3 library, but still, 50% of my gaming was done at night in bed with a 3DS or a PSP. But my thought process was always, okay, when are we getting the next big tech jump? iPhone and Android phones were already playing PlayStation games by this point. And I swear, when I saw advertisements for the PlayStation Vita, I genuinely thought, well, if the PSP can natively run PlayStation 1 games, clearly they made the PS Vita so that it can natively run PS2 games, right? Yeah, yeah, no, no. It, it was getting there but it really became more like a PSP 1.9 than a 2.0. And it wasn't even that well received of a handheld. Just look at the gaming library, there isn't that many games. And what to make matters worse, it wasn't even that great of an emulation device. It was pretty bad for anything other than PlayStation and PSP titles. And I think that's where the desire for a Steam Deck-like handheld really started. Just the sheer strife of life attempting to get already underpowered handhelds to perform like their plugged-in counterparts. I wanted the portability, the casual pick-up-and-play-anywhere nature of them. Never again would I have to make small talk with people in an airport lounge. I'm going to be dating myself, but this was pre-gigabyte data plans here. So the 3DS was my everything-else emulator, and really by that point it was already Fisher-Price technology, even when they started coming out with the Nubpad Pro iterations, there really wasn't that much of a hardware improvement. But I had to try it. I ended up borrowing a friend's Vita, and I just couldn't believe how well that D-pad felt. Those buttons, the layout, the analog sticks you could live without, but that D-pad was by far one of the best pieces of handheld controller technology that honestly I think the masses would just never get to enjoy. Following that had been years of failed attempts at comfortable Android emulation. 
you kind of always want to have just that one device. And honestly, I don't ever feel like my phone was it. I don't really like touchscreen gaming. Being born in the wrong generation, I guess. I don't have claw hands, and I don't appreciate severe neck discomfort. There really hasn't been any iteration of mobile gaming that I could really say I had enjoyed up until that point. I tried a few controllers recommended on Reddit, but in the end, you were still in an Android environment, and honestly, I didn't really like the idea of having to kill the battery of your phone. Flow through charging wasn't much of a thing back then, so it just never worked out. And so I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here and come back later after I talk about 2021 and the deck because I think without the context of the deck, if I just jumped right in and talked about, you know, that other unnamed console, this podcast is going to end up being a hour-long rant. Because honestly, in 2021, I was back at the same point, looking into emulation devices. You know, I was looking into GPD, I was looking into Retroid Pocket, how Katie consoles, thinking I just need to get back into the emulation side of things. I don't know how the timing could have been any better because less than a week later, Valve had announced the Steam Deck and it was at a price that almost seemed too good to be true to pass up. So of course, July 16th rolled around and I sat there waiting for the reserve button to show up. On the hour, I hit the reserve button, entered in my information to the deposit, clicked confirm and sat there waiting for the confirmation page to show up. For those of you not familiar with the struggle that is with Steam servers, sometimes those are just some really hard-working hamsters, and even the demand for the Steam Deck basically just choked out the servers. So I sat there for about two minutes getting nervous that it didn't go through, and then I backed out and tried to reserve again, and thankfully it tells me that there was already an order like this processing. So I was like, cool, I'll just sit and wait. And I ended up waiting for about an hour and 15 minutes before I got my confirmation. The unit that I got was the 256 gigabyte unit, and there was an estimation of Q1. I was ready to pay the lazy tax. I wasn't going to get the base model because I knew I was going to want to upgrade it, but I also didn't want to do something that would screw it up. But I was also probably cheap enough not to pay the super premium for a simple hard drive upgrade. I like glossy screens, so the 512 unit didn't really appeal to me. And of course, later on, uh, the delay was announced. Delay put me into Q2, but no big deal. February rolls around, and the initial reviews were great. Handheld PC Master Race rejoiced all at the same time, but you realize that the line was not moving until April, when they started to announce two shipments a week, and even then, you know, 512 gigabyte units were moving tens of seconds at a time. 256 gigabyte units only started moving minutes at a time, but then slowly started to ramp up to the point where you were seeing, you know, 20 to 30 minutes of time going by a week. But middle of May rolls around and here I was. Seven months of accessories and micro SDs already purchased for my deck, and I get it. I hold it in my hands. And to be honest, there is rarely words that I could use to describe the feeling of simply holding the deck in your hand and telling you how right it feels. You know, you could feel that it was a little bit hefty, but it sat in my hands in almost perfect form. Perfect for me. Perfect for someone who has big enough hands that I can almost comfortably palm a basketball. You know, the buttons were in such a good placement. The shoulder buttons while not the best, were certainly above average, and the triggers just felt good. 
I loved it. I put a screen protector on, plugged it in, booted it up, and after updates, I basically just installed a handful of games that I thought would test the system, or at least that I knew I really wanted to try to play on a handheld. After playing a couple recent games that I knew I wanted to play, you know, I tried out Cyberpunk for giggles, you know, I installed a couple of unverified games which worked flawlessly. A little bit of slow load time, but we're working with a quad-core processor here. I could tell you that playing Steam games on the Steam Deck right out of the box was great. Next to no tweaks, you were already up and playing your Steam library. I was so happy that we were talking about integrated graphics, leaping into a new tech age of relevance, you know, that improved architecture, the faster RAM, everything just worked so well together. With the Steam Deck, you were literally getting your best bang for buck on a portable handheld that you could buy with a time machine and some good timing. To drive this really home, I want to talk about the performance on the unit as a handheld, but I'm not going to talk to you about the gritty tech specs, you know, the specific FPS, when to lock your deck into specific GPU speeds. I really want to just talk to you like you would understand changing settings on a console, you know, being able to just slightly tone down shadows that are largely unneeded and half the time just baked in anyways. I want to talk to you about the things that I really liked about the handheld. I like sustainable. I like comfort. To me, that is a handheld environment. I don't want to talk about dock because yes, there's a whole other string of issues, you know, problems with identifying controller one. Like there's a lot of it, a lot of fidgeting, a lot of extra work that doesn't really fit my purpose for this device. If this is you and you want it docked and you want to play with the controller and honestly you can probably get to a point where it does work really well then that's great you know we can both share the happiness because the fact that we are both running the console at whatever 60 hertz 40 hertz but if i can be honest with you when it's running full tilt at its design spec for max tdp with its cooling design isn't when you're seeing the deck at its best and I have a, how would I put this politely, you damn kids, senior moment, every time someone says, well, can the Steam Deck run VR games? Or, why can't I get over 200 frames per second in CSGO? Or, hey, can you guys help me? I'm having problems setting up dual monitors with my Steam Deck. Or, hey, here's OBS running on the deck. Why is all my gameplay struggling? But also, hey, look, Cyberpunk runs at 15 FPS. And of course, my personal favorite, since I'm just here ranting now, here is a picture of me playing games in 4K. <sighs> I just... I'll never understand. I, I, I physically will never understand the desire to push a modest APU with integrated graphics to the limit. For the price of like the 256 gigabyte model, if you're planning on getting a dock, you know, getting to the point where you're setting it up like your battle station, you can basically just buy an entry level gaming laptop without the hassle, without the setup, without the modularity, without the a million pieces to make your gaming PC whole and just play games at 720p, you know, 1080p without the power struggle that you'll see with the Steam Deck's APU. One of my favorite content creators covering the deck uh, is The Fox, you know, a pr predominantly handheld PC enthusiast. He went out of his normal presentation style for his 
it felt like a forced spotlight. But, you know, he is the right person to get into the hands of. You could tell the big guy had a million things he wished he could say in a 30-minute review, but he was just gushing. I feel that he is big about the playing experience, and I didn't fully appreciate him talking about things like 40 hertz mode until I could feel it in my hands. I could see the actual gameplay. Like you, I think it's misleading to watch a video at 60 frames per second and then listen to someone talk about how great playing a game at 40 frames per second is when 30 frames per second sucks. Cyberpunk honestly didn't make much of a difference. I didn't find very many times where I was able to sustainably keep 40 frames per second. It kind of gets to that point where you either just grin and bear 30 frames per second or maybe go where you lock it in at 50 hertz and then set it to half so that you can get 25 fps stable. But either way, regardless of what you do, you are literally playing that game on please just work level of low settings. And in the end, it's playable. It only becomes unplayable if you've lived in a generation of 144Hz gaming for multiple years. And I'll end this part of the rant by saying, it is quite rare now that I ever take the system out of 40Hz mode. And on the rare occasion I do, most of the time it's emulation or games that have physics tied to the FPS of the game. So you've heard me briefly talk about kind of the features, the, the innovations, things that just kind of work thanks to all of Steam's innovation and hard work. But let's talk about outside of Steam's safety net and some of the issues that I've encountered. Software tends to be one of the biggest flaws of the Steam Deck. Despite games almost working flawlessly, it's always kind of like the key pieces that tie everything together. I feel like at this point, I'm just kind of setting you up to hear me talk about how the Steam OS is kind of just a child save bouncy castle in gaming mode. And I would say I would use the term bouncy castle specifically and not childproof bubble. Because honestly, there's just unexpected hiccups that you might encounter that seems like, hmm, you'd think they'd really double check this before posting it to stable. First off, full EXT4 formats are likely the cause of everyone's microSD cards being sacrificed to Gaben. There were many posts like mine on Reddit, and it was all typical, dude, you had a card for a year. It's no surprise that it might be bad when you reformatted it. But honestly, I posted in, the, in a Reddit post about my experience formatting three 256GB cards, two Nintendo Yellow Star Sandus Extremes, and a Kingston Canvas Go Plus that I individually verified with H2 Test W and Crystal Disk Mark 8. Two pieces of great software for finding out, you know, the synthetic speeds of the cards, real life performance, but also to see if the card is corrupted before you start putting all of your hard work into it. Error sectors are really what you're trying to find. All you need to know is all three cards tested fine. Initially, I was just looking for which one had the best 4 kilobyte random read-write speeds, but in my independent verification of benchmarking, in real world, it doesn't really make much of a difference. But continuing with formatting, the first SanDisk card failed in testing, and I was like, well, it's just testing, it's just making sure that the card's ready to format. And so I pushed the button to test again, and it went through the steps, and it got all the way to verify before it garbaged my card. It locked it into uh, a healthy partition for whatever data recovery. The second SanDisk also 
failed testing though, which at this point I got my tinfoil hat out because I was convinced that there was something wrong with formatting microSD cards inside the internal slot of the Steam Deck. So I took the card out that had failed testing. Uh, I got out my USB-C dock. I switched into desktop mode and I used uh, KDM Partition Manager. I think, I hope it's KDM. Formatting completed in about like 10 to 15 seconds. Everything was fine. Card was not a piece of failure. But it kind of makes me wonder why it would fail testing uh, and then write successfully outside of gaming mode. It, uh, it just worries me. It worries me so much that for my third card, I didn't even bother trying to use the internal slot. Uh, my Kingston card formatted without a hitch, and and of course, a week later, there was an update that stopped gaming mode from using full formatting and now just does quick formats. I don't know whether or not you can point fingers at this point. All I know is I am out 15 bucks for having to claim a warranty, and honestly, you just, you're never going to get that money back, so just kind of take all precautions necessary. So you might be saying, well, no big deal, right? Warranties can be claimed, it's not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. How about failed updates? That's right. A common reoccurring theme on Reddit is of course always, please help. Something happened and now I'm in a boot loop. There isn't always a common reoccurring theme. It can just be something that happens indiscriminately. It happened to me though, through legitimate updating from the beta profile to 3.2 stable when 40Hz was officially out. Hit update, I watched the bar start, and then of course I put the deck down because I'm not the kind of person who wants to watch paint dry. Came back, deck was ready to restart. So I pressed it, it sat on a black screen for a second, Steam Deck logo came up, and then the screen switched out of landscape mode and just started displaying a string of files not found. And at the end it said, failed to boot, both default and fallback entries. Yep, that's right, a quote-unquote stable Steam update deleted my boot files. Thankfully, other people had had this same issue, and all I had to do was go onto my computer, put SteamOS on a USB drive, connect to the Steam Deck, wait for it to boot, and then click to restore the OS. And honestly, aside from the hour of my time that was lost, all I really lost was my Wi-Fi password all my game files and configurations were still there. But still, I would half expect that an update would want to verify its package or, you know, something that realistically baby-proofs it from going wrong. Or something that checks and doesn't go, okay, delete all files, check, right, oh, there's nothing left in the program. Okay, well, job's done, time to go. And again, there's a lot of fanboyism on Reddit. People who are just gonna say, oh well, my Steam Deck was fine. People don't need to worry. But you should worry. I know at least four people in that post said the exact same thing happened to them. So I mean, what I've described up until this point is that game mode is really not without its faults. But outside of these issues, there's really only minor gripes. There's some issues like when you take it out of sleep mode, sometimes you might have to retouch the screen to get the controls to engage. But those types of things are just kind of like minor gripes. But I think it's the people who have been shouting, it's a PC this entire time. Let us use the PC side to install things, you know, get wrist deep into the excitement that is Linux. Makes this the best and probably the most frustrating handheld ever. And so you step out of your bouncy castle. 
and Linux is ready. You know, SteamOS is ready for you to do whatever you want on the desktop mode. The problem is there's always so much that you can do because we're talking SteamOS, you know, the Linux sides of things, you know, that extra customization. Oh, I want to run Epic Game Store. I want to get the Battle.net launcher on there. Get me the Origin launcher, uh, Rockstar Games launcher, all the things that I would personally think that, you know what, it's a PC, we should be able to get some sort of like compatibility layer, something's got to work. The Linux community is huge, and they're well known for their kind of patches and workarounds and GitHub projects that make them such a great community. Well, I mean, you asked for it. Get that keyboard and mouse out because there's no sense handicapping yourself now with an on-screen keyboard that will block half the screen, you know, have a touchpad that... Okay, well, hold on. The touchpad isn't actually too bad in desktop mode. I never realized how much I would enjoy being able to use the triggers as clicks. It's way better than, like, say, a laptop touchpad. And I just kind of wish the keyboard didn't suck to use. Okay, so you have everything that you need to start to use desktop mode. You know, you go on to, let's say, I don't know, Reddit or uh, gaming on Linux, you know, you'll find that guide of how to play your favorite Epic Game Store games, you know, get that launcher going. Oh, look, there's a program called Heroic Launcher that literally will just make it work? Like Windows? Well, why didn't you say so? Oh, wait a minute, there's also another way that doesn't use the Heroic Launcher and just works natively. Yeah, let's, uh, let's do that. But wait, hold on. Why are there so many options? How do I know if I'm going to be using the correct method? These are kind of like the questions that you want to ask yourself before you start going down what I call the rabbit hole of magical fixes to get things working on your deck. Do you want emulation to work on your Steam Deck, but just want to be able to breeze over each emulator without actually learning how it works? Oh, don't worry about it. Just download EmuDeck, you know. Hit that button, hit the simplified mode, and boom, 10 emulators and RetroArch all installed with widescreen hacks already enabled. You know, just add your BIOS files to the folder. No, I said, yeah, but you have to add the bi in the BIOS folder. It, it didn't show you where the BIOS folder is. Like, you, you're probably setting up on a memory card. The, the memory, you can't find the memory card. What do you mean RPCS3 wants its own default BIOS folder instead of the one that's created by EmuDeck? Well, that's the end of the EmuDeck tutorial, best of luck in life. And I know that was like the super salty rendition of how to install things in desktop mode, but the problem is, is like I could go on and on, and the moral of the story is the more that you go outside the safe play place that Valve creates for you, you know, there's that evil temptress being able to go and do whatever you want, you know, content creators will show you a game running perfectly. You know, you'll watch a video on YouTube and you're like, man, I would really like to play Rockstar's uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, you know, but I don't want to go through the process where I have to figure out which kidney they sacrifice to get the damn thing running. And so, at the end of this, after all this rant, after realizing that there is like it's not a dark side, but it's just you are either going to want to be very experienced with Linux, very hands-on in participating in the Linux community to help you out, or Googling every single spoon-fed guide in order to make 
this console do whatever you want it to do. But again, you've heard me rant, you've heard me complain, you've heard me talk about all like the crappy things that have happened and all the warnings that I want to give you. Still, best handheld console ever. There's going to be so much growing pain to learn something new, and it hurts. Trust me, what magically works in Windows is jimmy-rigged together with paper clips and community-supported content. The fact is, there's just so much community support that you often mistake these computer geniuses showing you how to apply one specific fix to one specific issue versus programs that give you true end user support. You know, desktop mode is not dummy proof, but honestly, once you get wrist deep in it, you come back a war seasoned vet. Once you get your hands dirty, you will know that you can tackle anything with it. And with the right knowledge, or at least a spoon fed guide, you can accomplish anything that you want. The one thing that I would say is try not to rely on all these extra compatibility layers to make things work. Because you'll see people come back and say, I've installed Glorious Egg Roll, I've installed every single assistant launcher, I've updated Wine, I've done everything humanly possible that I could possibly think of. But at the end of the day, I didn't use Heroic Launcher, I installed Epic Game Store natively. I didn't have as many hoops to jump through. Sure, I have to navigate a crappy launcher window that is not optimized for Steam Deck game mode, but it works. It updates fine, games run fine. Aside from online multiplayer, I have no issue. At the moment, I basically just have Epic Game Store, all of the emulators from Emudeck, and xCloud set up. And I count myself very lucky that I have no desire to install any other launcher or really play any serious AAA game that I could either stream from my gaming PC or just play normally. Emulator performance is quite flawless up until PS2, and even then, PS2 runs pretty well. There is the occasional oddity, like playing for a longer period sometimes will create a weird performance drop, but you start looking at things like PS3 emulation, and honestly, it's pretty good for a small set of games that aren't too graphically, or I would say technologically intense. Persona 5 has pretty much a lot of dips, but you can get through quite a bit of the game at 30 FPS. Fairly, fairly stable, I would say. And obviously this kind of performance is all just kind of placeholder for when Atlas brings all of the Persona games over. I just honestly can't wait to buy Persona 5 Royal again. There is no Xbox 360 emulation, uh, Switch emulation is fine. I was finding a lot of the guides were just going to upscale it from 540p anyways, lower graphic demanding games aside, but I mean I have a Switch uh, and I also have limited disk space on my deck and I can just play it natively. xCloud streaming is fine, obviously it's no substitute for being able to install it locally, but quite honestly 720p streaming quality probably benefits from lower bandwidth requirements, it feels quite smooth, you know, I can live happy with this setup. The one thing that I would say I didn't enjoy using on my Steam Deck are probably games that are very keyboard and mouse dependent, uh, like strategy games, a lot of 4x games, uh, competitive shooters, you know, people complain in Halo Infinite that multiplayer was very one-sided to PC players, and uh, Quite honestly, I think that's very true. The trackpad kind of brings console shooters to a new level, but honestly, I'm still way too used to the mouse. I don't think it's gonna work for me. Gyro is neat. It was fun using it in desk job, 
Uh, I hope they don't sleep on turning the deck into some sort of like quasi VR. I wouldn't mind pretending like you're looking through a porthole or I don't know, pretending you're putting a cardboard box over your head. While that haptic feedback is cool and I like the uh, step-by-step kind of accelerated tracking that you can do, all, all that stuff is turned off. Rumble turned off. I, I'll, I'll probably never turn it on again. I also probably wouldn't use keyboard and mouse just because of like the input lagging that sometimes you get with Bluetooth reliability. And I guess since we're just kind of talking about keyboard and mouse, why don't I segue into talking about accessories? I uh, I went a little bit overboard waiting for the deck, and I probably spent about close to 280 Canadian dollars. Granted, $100 of that is just dedicated to memory cards. I made the decision to go for a bunch of 256 cards instead of one 512 card, because honestly, I was worried that there was going to be some sort of failure, or even down the line, one card would become unreliable. Uh, and even then, I'd still be stuck waiting for warranty, which this last one took three weeks and honestly, eye roll shipping issues, which resulted in SanDisk being super cool and sending me uh, an Extreme Pro card to replace my uh, Yellow Star SanDisk one. Uh, performance, sadly, is just... I think the reading speed, like real use reading speed, I think was like six megabytes per second faster, but whatever. I ended up looking for a power bank that was capable of outputting 45 watts. I got it super discount though, through warehouse deals. It's an Anchor Powerhouse 100. It has an AC port and this thing, while not the heaviest thing, it still feels like you're lugging around a brick. It's PD 3.0 compliant on the USB port, and it has two additional USB-A ports. Power banks that can deliver 45 watts are actually not that common. I think there is one other, I think it's like a Basis travel charger that I was looking at, but honestly, I got this thing for like 80 bucks instead of the retail price of 230, and it was sold by Anchor, so full warranty and everything. I've used it for my phones and iPad for traveling, actually, and aside from having to lug around a literal brick, uh, it's a solid buy. I kind of wonder, there are so many people who are 3D printing accessories, or at the very least accessory attachments, you know, to put a battery, to put an NVMe drive, to put a USB-C dock that attaches directly to the deck. I don't think this thing needs to be any heavier, and you only get one USB-C port, and honestly, when you look at the teardown videos, it seems to be the least modular of all the pieces. But ranting aside, the rest of what I spent on was for uh, screen protectors, screen protectors from Dbrand, which I think is an incredibly necessary item. Uh, if you look at Jerrig Everything's video, it doesn't take too much to scratch the screen, and I mean, you can try and wait and find a piece from iFixit and then fix it yourself, but I don't know if I'd consider myself that daring. The one other kind of necessary upgrade that I would put forward is picking up another charger capable of outputting 45 watts PD 3.0 standard to replace the Steam Deck's 4.5 foot cord. Honestly, it's just not long enough. I bought a 6 foot USB-C cable with a Ugreen power adapter. It works great, but honestly, I paid for a 2-pack just because I can use it with the Anchor charger. But in retrospective, I probably should have just gone with the 10-foot option. These cables are pretty thick, and that extra 4 feet just gives you so much more extra flexibility. 
even a nine foot cable would be fine. I just, I need a little bit of freedom and saving cost in this area wasn't worth it. But that was mostly what I spent out on. The rest of my accessories that I don't consider into this cost mostly just came from scavenging accessories that I stole from other devices instead of pretending like I can figure out how to SSHL between devices to set up file sharing between Linux and Windows. I just salvaged my old Wii U's portable hard drive and loaded it up with, I mean, 380 gigabytes of games that I obviously own and back up. Wii U emulation is actually kind of nice, but obviously I wouldn't know because I would never pirate a Wii U game or a Nintendo game. Go Team Nintendo. I had picked up a uh, USB-C 6 port dock. It's Sabrent branded. I don't know if it's actually Sabrent or whether they just take their likeness and name to go on it, but since they make pretty good SSDs, I thought, why not? It has up to 100 watts of power delivery that I used to play, and I used it to play Diablo Immortal on my capture card playing on my phone, which, I mean, it works great. Sadly, there are issues with my capture card where it doesn't like to play the games, but I can see desktop mode, and in gaming mode I can thumb through the gaming library, look at everything, no problem. So I don't know what's going on there. I do have a keyboard and mouse that I can just kind of plug in my USB dongle to get the full office experience, but this was kind of a weird win on my part. I have this older Sony Android TV remote. You can look it up, I think you can buy it on Alibaba for like 20 bucks now. This thing was just such a damn surprise. I used this on my old Windows Media PC. One side is a keyboard that is backlit, the other side is a touchpad with a directional pad and buttons that maybe I probably would screw up my deck if I ever tried to actually use them. On Windows, there is no touchpad driver. On Linux though, and I was searching for this because there was apparently an entire forum where an actual Sony tech responsible for the driver made a Linux driver for it. I was so excited, but I could obviously never get it to work on Windows because drivers on Windows are so much more complicated than Linux, and maybe that's where Linux kind of has that great step up. So, being the prepared person I was, I, I copied the code into a text file, put it on a USB, and come the day getting my Steam Deck, I was ready to learn how to make my first driver in Linux, when I connected it via Bluetooth and the damn thing worked natively. Like, complete surprise, I couldn't be more happy. It was the only thing of value that I bought from this $130 overpriced piece of Sony tech garbage that was supposed to be a decent Android TV but could barely play YouTube videos. But at least I can call this a win. Other than that, I kind of just shared the use of this Amazon Basics tablet stand that I put on my desk. It works for my iPad and it works for the deck. So after all this shopping, it kind of made me sit back and reflect that if Valve couldn't make a very price appropriate dock, Honestly, it probably would just have to be in the same range that is the typical USB-C docks. We're talking probably 50 bucks US to get something reliable. I don't think most people should go for a first party peripheral when there are cheap workarounds. It doesn't help that the Steam Deck dock is on hold indefinitely, but I mean, there's gonna be so many workarounds, I don't think you need it. I'm sure I'm forgetting some accessory that I'm using. I'm currently keeping all my micro SD cards in my tiny little small rig metal case thingy that can hold like three micro SD cards and two regular sized SD cards. 
But honestly, if you think about all the stuff that I put together, which I would consider makes it almost a complete deck, even if I got everything at a good sales price, which I did, there's no point in buying things full price, I think I probably would have spent about as much as a mainstream gaming laptop. Like, we're not talking like 3050, like we're talking about higher end 3060 proper screen and everything, which just goes to remind you the dangers of hype shopping. And if you're in my shoes and we're choosing between a Steam Deck and a gaming laptop, uh, I would take the better gaming laptop hands down if you didn't need the mobility. Okay, I think I got everything I needed to say out of the way. For those of you who might be skipping through the podcast because you don't want to hear a rant or how I threw money at an accessory that became way more expensive than it should have been, I love the Steam Deck. No regret, no remorse. I understand that's a little extra effort, but that effort is rewarded tenfold. It fits in my hands, the controls are comfy, it's a bit heavy for gaming while laying on your back, but sitting, laying prone, or even on your side is like really good. The screen's not terribly bright, but honestly, if you're somewhere outdoors, I don't know, why are you playing your Steam Deck? Okay. That was Granddad telling you to put down your Nintendo PlayStation and go outside and, and play some sports ball. But honestly, I didn't like playing it next to an open window on a bright day. If you are that girl in the toque that they showed in the promo material, playing Hollow Knight with the trackpad while standing on a bridge overlooking busy traffic and warm weather, specifically, I hate you. The more I talk about these kind of things, the more I get riled up we can quickly talk about some of the other troubleshooting things that you might run into. For example, uh, battery calibration is kind of a double take. The first two days that I had the deck, my battery health dropped to 87%. I was a little bit worried, but you go on the forums and you see that a lot of it just seems to be calibration. Valve mentioned the remedy is to use it normally until it gets to zero, and then once you get to the point where you know it's not using regular battery, you boot into BIOS mode and just let it run for as long as it does. Honestly, that I think that probably takes too long, so all I did was play with it for max battery life, and then when you get to the point where it hits 5% critical battery, just save what you're doing and then let it die in the game that you're playing. It took me three playing cycles, but now I'm back at 99%. Another thing is if your deck tends to crash frequently, double check that you aren't topping out in thermals. Yes, people are going to say that, you know, the deck's APU is it's designed to go up to 105 degrees Celsius before you run into a problem. Wow. Thanks, tips. That's not to say it won't struggle, throttle, or crash when you start getting into the 90s. But also, holding a deck that gets that hot isn't comfortable. They made sure to talk about how nice the thermals are in, like, the palms of your hand, but there's always going to be some spillover when you're talking about, like, the fingers, right? The problem is, like, you'll still feel the heat in your fingers. This kind of goes back to square one where I like to game in 40, in 40 hertz mode. There's no thermal throttling. I don't have to worry about excess heat. My battery is amazing. You know, so on. You've heard this before. Just make sure you do kind of a 10-point physical check when you get your deck. Go into calibration and check the deck's dead zones with the sticks. Make sure that there's no rubbing points. Check the trap pad haptics. There shouldn't be any extra buzzing. Shoulder buttons and triggers should be tested. Uh, triggers especially, you shouldn't have any resistance or like too much rubbing. 
face buttons shouldn't be sticking. Sometimes my face buttons feel a little bit loose, but otherwise, like, no problems, no issues. Make sure that when you are plugging in your USB, there can be a little bit of side to side, but make sure that there's like minimal play or wiggle with the USB port. Uh, obviously when you turn it on, you'll be very sad if you see that the screen has dead pixels, but obviously look for dead pixels. People who complain about backlight bleed, uh, it's gonna be a little bit noticeable, but unless you're staring at the screen with just a black picture on there, it's not noticeable in game. It's, but the backlight bleed should never be excessive. And games should be free of honestly serious graphical artifacts. You know, like the pixelized snow or just like things that stick, vertical lines. Honestly, if you're starting to see this sort of thing, you're probably going to see other things like frequent crashing. Uh, a light workload should not cause your Steam Deck to crash or to overheat. Any of those signs, reach out to Valve and just start an RMA. They're honestly super helpful. I don't think you need to worry too much. And that's the Steam Deck. I don't feel like I'm a super expert in the situation, but I think I've had enough experience that I could probably try and at least help people. But let's go back. Before, I was talking about handheld Android and iPhone gaming, and in terms of handheld consoles, there was always a gap. It's the rant that you've heard a hundred times. I know everyone from last July to February 2022 is probably sick to death of hearing it. People saying, Oh, the Switch is dead. Long live the Steam Deck. Nintendo has nothing on the Steam Deck. But why is that? It's not like the world was false flagging the death of a handheld. You know, put aside the skepticism about the internal hardware. The tweaked Nvidia Shield hardware served it well. And honestly, it fit the MO of Nintendo. It works for its first party titles, and they probably got a pretty super deal on hardware. So what's there to complain about? My first game I bought was Breath of the Wild. It was super enjoyable, two worlds of handhelds and docked console gamers were happy. What could possibly be wrong? Well, to be honest, I just wasn't happy with the Switch. Since the release of the Wii, Nintendo's been kind of an oddball. It took a strange trip down Innovation Lane and has compromised their controllers with, with every single new console to the point where there is no ergonomics to their controller. I bought a Switch day one, played Breath of the Wild, and after about two hours playing it in handheld mode using the Joy-Cons, I literally had to stop. Seriously, I'm not exaggerating. I know I, I know some people might go on for like dramatic effect, but I absolutely hated it. I went on Amazon and tried to buy a Pro Controller, but of course at the launch, Pro Controllers were sold out for such a long time. So I tried the official ergonomic grip mount thing, and then I realized that, again, it wasn't about the grip. The controllers had function over form. Those terrible analog sticks. You know, the little mini M&M buttons. The placement, because for some reason they wanted you to consider the console like you are getting two controllers. like. I hate that it had to come into consideration that people wanted to play two players on single Joy-Cons sideways. Why would you do this? Like, I was so seriously pissed. I literally stopped playing the game. Granted, I probably put in maybe like half an hour just trying to make it work and have fun. But still, I waited for the Pro Controller to come out since it was so hard to get. 
Once I did, I continued playing in dock mode. I beat Ganon, and right after, immediately turned around and sold the whole thing. I didn't even want to wait for Super Mario Odyssey to come out. I could not bear to hold the Switch in my hands. Because, coming full circle here, people abandoned the Vita for a number of reasons, but ergonomics was never one of them. We could have been playing indie games until, like, 2030, you know, but it's 2022, and here we are. The PS Vita is dead, their store is on life support. But then you have a Switch with its mangled controllers, controllers with reliability that's out the window because of drift. I ended up getting a Switch. No, I didn't buy it. I got it as a Christmas gift from a family member who knew that he was never going to use it anymore. He gave it to me because I asked to borrow it to play Super Mario Odyssey. Irony, I know. Went online and bought the Ori Always Attached controllers, which surprisingly made it the same size as the Steam Deck. It played fine. I bought Animal Crossing, and of course the fiancé took the bait and she started playing Animal Crossing religiously, and I didn't really get to play it for four months. But after that, nothing. This thing has been collecting dust on my shelf ever since. I had the urge to buy one physical copy of Trials of Mana for 20 bucks, just based on nostalgia. After playing that, I'd look at the eShop to see, you know, what sales there were for games. And of course, we always come back to what sales are there exactly with the Nintendo eShop. New Apple products get bigger sales discount than first-party Nintendo games. And I'm not paying $70 for the re-re-re-release of Mario Kart 8. So, honestly, you're stuck with, like, the indie selection of titles for your affordable gaming. And this is where you hit that crossroad. On Steam, there's a game that I've been playing. It's called Bug Fables. If you haven't seen it, absolutely check it out. They did a literal Paper Mario game with bugs. It holds up well, and it's fun and challenging. It was 50% off their regular price. I think it was like 11 bucks at the end of the day. They announced it while I was doing the research for this and making my video. They announced that on May 25th, it was coming out for the Switch. It was also on sale during the time that I bought it but it was on sale for $23, down from $34. I am certain the developer's cut is going to be the same in either case, but imagine trying to decide between a deck and a switch, and you don't know that the game's values are completely different. You also don't know when they're gonna completely abandon the platform. It's not like the digital Wii U games suddenly went on liquidation price when the switch was announced. So on top of the premium paid by the switch owners, Think how many indie games actually make it to the Switch. Vampire Survivors, weird hit, little fun arcade game, play it for about 30 minutes at a time for $3. I think I have about 27 hours into that game, played it while waiting for the birth of my kid. I, I, I took a break at the end, alright, you can pause, you won't find that game on the Switch. Your opportunities for games that are under $10, some of the gems are just so much higher in price, or they're just not there. And that's where you miss out on the opportunity of the deck. All that cost. And so we kind of have to stop and turn around and think, are we literally leveraging the cost of a stable environment to play on the Steam Deck? But I'll level with you. Three months into the Steam Deck being out, I know I'm an early adopter. I know there will be revisions that will make my deck less desirable. I know I am stuck with 
software being updated as quickly as humanly possible, and there being flaws. Might upset a person or two with a reinstall and downloading games, but hey, in the end, if that's it, that's obviously not too bad. You know, obviously I think there's some parody. Stick Drift is notorious on the Switch, but on the deck, there's literally quite a number of posts about defects. The only flaw that I think I could find on my deck is the uh, analog sticks. When you just try to move them slightly out of neutral position, uh, they click just like very inaudibly. But honestly, if I didn't tell you, you probably never notice. And comparing the weight of the Steam Deck to the Switch, because I know people were constantly complaining that the, oh, the Steam Deck is heavier. It's so much heavier. How could you ever play with it in bed versus a Switch? And that's true. But to tell you the truth, I don't feel comfortable holding the Switch when I lay on my back in bed either for any period of time. You still get that weird tiredness, that numbness in the arms. Steam Deck really just sizes up fine to the Switch with its hoary pads. But I mean, like, if we're comparing performance, the deck is a beast. Absolutely. An OLED screen is nice. But if you're just slapping lipstick on a chipset that came out in 2015, then you have to realize your limits. And I know Nintendo is absolutely going to slap back at some point with the Switch 2, but I'm a little bit worried because Nintendo switched from Team Red to Nvidia, and AMD is currently just in a victory lap with its RDNA 2 and new efficient architecture. I will say where both handhelds meet their match though, is online play. Whereas one is free but not always supported, the other is paid but provides no real value other than being connected to the internet, gating content, and having really slow Wi-Fi. If you're docked with an ethernet port then I guess you could make an argument that it's equal, but then I'd have to start my rant over because I don't want to compare these two systems docked. But the prospect of paying $30 a year for Mario Maker content or some laggy Smash Online play or be better yet doubling down to $60 a year to stream N64 games, to stream Kingdom Hearts games is laughable. It is the moral high ground, but honestly, you're seriously limping to the table with content if you can't even emulate N64 on the Switch. Honestly, where do we go from here? If I never picked up my Switch or paid for a first party title at full price ever again, Honestly, I think it would probably be the best. It is literally here for just that reason. I am waiting for Breath of the Wild 2, and it's only icing on the cake that this is a Gen 1 unit, which means I can always just turn it around and put the firmware that I want on it. In either case, the bar is set so low with the Switch that they just let the deck walk in. I know it's never going to replace the quality titles, but honestly, with Sony first-party titles starting to come to PC, the argument is just going to get harder and harder. Especially with a lot of Nintendo games, first-party IPs for Nintendo that are just ending up on the phone store because that's where they're going to make their profit. And I wonder if this is really going to change the tone of how Nintendo approaches games going forward. So that's it. My Switch is an ornament. It sits on my shelf and I just kind of reminisce about the good times I had with it and knowing that I'm probably not going to pick it up anytime soon. If you are looking for some indie titles to check out for your Steam Deck or just 
want some for your regular PC gaming needs, check out Bug Fables, obviously. If you like fun golf games, there is a game that is quite similar to old Android, I think it was called Stick Golf. It's called Cursed to Golf. There's a demo out for it right now, and in the summer, the game, I think it's supposed to be in like the 20 to $30 range. Super fun. I'm definitely going to buy the whole game once it comes out in the store. And of course, you can always check out Vampire Survivors if you've been living under a rock. Like, it's two to three bucks. Just buy it. It's one of those, like, there's nothing that you can buy that comes close in value. If you're worried now that I've made such a fuss about, you know, keeping your deck cool and only playing it in 40 hertz mode, if you're looking for games, the sweet spot is really look for any game that has been ported or kind of developed at the same time that has a PC port from the PS4 era and older consoles. Most of them play so well and they're flawlessly configured for a controller. Just to name a few, uh, Valkyria Chronicles was super fun. All of the Persona games, I can't believe that they're going to be coming out on Xbox Game Pass, but also Steam. The Tales series is also fun to kind of move away from those typical JRPGs. Burnout was super fun. I can't believe I came back to revisit a game that came out in like 2013. Reinstalling a game that I think came out like 10 years ago. The Forza series is fun. But honestly, I think you want to step back a generation in racing games. I tried Hellblade Sensua, God of War, Nino Kuni. I think at this point I'm just going to start listing off every game that had like a above 87% on Metacritic. And you're just going to be happy because it works on the Steam Deck. Uh, literally the first game that I played after my initial tests on my deck wasn't even a Steam game. I got Epic Store working and I have... I think right now about 28 hours into Neo, The World Ends With You, for a game that had zero marketing and didn't know that it was coming out immediately, uh, I'd be sad if you let it slip by. I also got it for like 30 bucks Canadian after a sale plus coupon promos. I think once people stop worrying about the Epic Games Store, everything will pass. I know they're going super crazy giving out all kinds of games, so the more that you can make work, I'd say the better. I also bought Death Stranding and Detroit Become Human. Both of them were like 9 bucks each after coupons. I'd say if you're interested in finding out more in-depth detail about the deck, you know, games hitting verified status, or just kind of like flat out more coverage than what I might cover in a 2-3 to three week span of these future podcasts, check out Gaming on Linux. Uh, I'll post the site in the description. They have been pretty good about staying on top of updates, helpful articles, and it's always good to have someone, you know, a bit deeper versed in Linux to understand what's coming up and coming out. I am well past banging on rocks stage of learning to use Linux, but I'm still relatively dependent on spoon-fed guides. But I think we're running out of time. I would just like to thank everyone for tuning into this podcast. If you did listen, please feel free to like leave a comment or feedback. It really helps. As this was my first podcast, a lot of it was probably a bit more scripted than I'd like it to be. A lot of this is kind of just like getting to the point where I'm not ranting or leaving really long pauses between what I say. So we'll try and be a little more consistent for time. But this was kind of like a big feature piece. I love the deck. And I feel for everyone currently sitting in line, hoping that Q3 still ends up being Q3. I think I'd be surprised if people who booked on July 17th aren't praying that it, they're going to get their unit in the next six months. All I can tell you is, 
it will be an interesting year to see what competition the Steam Deck stirs up. And if that flat structure of a company can keep enough employees on the Steam Deck project to continue winning this in the long term, I don't see a problem. But that's it. Rant over. Thanks for tuning in to the end of episode one of Game in Hand. My name is Dan. I hope to see you next time.